I don't know if I'm correct, but this might be the first time I've taken notes um, on a podcast that features Bill Gates. And it was so interesting to me and so worth uh, the time invested listening to it that uh, made me think to go back and especially like search YouTube for, for different videos because he's just got a lot of interesting um, ideas. So let's just go ahead and jump right into that. So he starts off, he says, listen, Microsoft was lucky that it was not a capital intensive business. It was financed by money I had made in high school. I did, I, I did the school scheduling. Uh, there were all sorts of things you could do with software to make money fairly easy in those days because the number of people who knew software was very small. He talked about like Microsoft didn't even really need to raise venture. They just took a million dollars from one firm because he wanted some adult supervision, but um, he didn't need actually need the money, which is uh, an amazing statement when you, when you think about the fact that Microsoft was one of the most financially successful corporations ever created. Uh, it's actually mind-blowing. And I think um, one of the reasons that he had such um, outside success is because he, he picked up on this idea of software being magic very early. Um, so he says, we, we knew software was this magical thing. Weirdly, people didn't understand that Moore's law would mean computing power would be nearly infinite. And so he said the best way to think about this is the best way to think about uh, to think about it at the time when he started Microsoft, Microsoft was that software would be the limiting factor towards any digitally assisted activity. Um, and I love this. The, he, he discusses how he would um, conserve resources. And this is, I, I talk about this on Founders Podcast a lot, that um, something that you, you noticed when you read all these biographies of entrepreneurs from the past is they were very smart about how they, they manage their resources, whether it's money, time, employees, whatever the case was. And so here's Bill doing this at a very young age. He said, we had a lot of customers who went bankrupt. I was hiring people who had children, meaning much older than him, and they were moving to the city for the job. So I always did this calculation. Do I have enough money that if no one pays me, I can still pay the employees for a whole year? So what he's saying there essentially is just building a, up a huge buffer. Um, and there's really no reason not to do that. Um, and then he talks about why he recruited Steve Ballmer. I chuckled at this. He said, I realized I needed somebody who could hire people and to tell me not to sell things that weren't done. Then he talks about a little bit about the culture of early, uh, early Microsoft. Um, he says, uh, early Microsoft was a nice mix of young, naive, overly optimistic people. Uh, and he made the point when he's uh, talking about this that the young people always controlled everything, though. And the adults who would ask us to think twice before we did three crazy things per day. He also talked a little bit about the difference between how they approach their work and somebody that's older that had other responsibilities in life. He said, we, the young people at Microsoft, learned to accept the fact that they, the older adults, weren't quite as intense as we were. They had wives and kids, and they would leave at some point during the day. Um, Bill is pretty famous for just sleeping and staying in the office basically 24-7. Uh, but now we have an older, wiser Bill Gates giving some advice here. He says, you can over-worship and mythologize the idea of working extremely hard. It is true I didn't believe in weekends and I didn't believe in vacations, but I don't recommend it. I don't think people, most people would enjoy it. He says, uh, once I got into my 30s, I could hardly even imagine how I had done that, meaning worked obsessively around the clock. Now I take lots of vacations, and he also made me laugh here. He said, my 20-year-old self is so disgusted with my current self. Um, but, so he, he's talking about what he did. Then he says, I don't recommend it. I always think you should pay attention not really to what people say, but what, what they do. Obviously, he's saying, hey, maybe if I went back, I wouldn't do it that way. We, you know, you can't replay that, so we, we never really know. But he also says, listen, I have a fairly hardcore view that there should be a very large sacrifice made during those early years. Um, this was interesting. They asked him what his greatest mistake was. He says, my greatest mistake ever is whatever mismanagement I engaged, engaged in that caused Microsoft to not be what Android is. And that's the standard non-Apple 
uh, phone platform. He says he, he regrets that because there can only he he was competing in winner take all markets. It's really only in his opinion. I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, you know, there's going to be one non Apple phone platform. Um, if you were in your 20s today, what would you work on? And his answer was AI. He calls that problem number one. So problem number one in software is not solved. So that is what you would you would work on. I would be drawn to thinking about the structure of the software that can do the equivalent of what a human can do. This is something I never thought about either. He said it's it, it is nice that the idea of uh, being a founder is a thing. Um, so the, the the podcast I'm taking notes on is this uh, podcast called Venture Stories. It's by a venture capital firm called Village Global. And Bill Gates and a, a number of other um, entrepreneurs are LPs in the, fu- in the fund. And so now he dedicates some of his resources to obviously helping spread entrepreneurship. But he makes that he goes, it's nice that being a founder is actually a thing that you can meet other people doing it. It's got to, and this is a part I didn't ever think about that, you know, didn't really exist when he started. At least it was an informal, but he says it's got a real ecosystem. So there's a positive to that, right? You can meet other people doing it. You can learn from them. But... Uh, so, and, and you can, he says, as a result, you can move faster and you don't need to invent certain things like scaling with cloud computing. You can use the resources that other people figured out or other companies are offering you, right? But he makes this great point. You also get intense competition because it's a much larger ecosystem. Um, you have, you have said that the most, oh, this is, this is just a, uh, a comment by the host, the person interviewing him, I thought was interesting. He said, you said the most important issue is often not technical, but cultural, meaning when you're building a company, it is convincing everyone that the company's survival depends on moving as fast as possible on the importance of a focus on velocity. Um, another question, what is the most impactful unsolved problem that technology can solve that you'd like to see someone take on? And he said, this is fascinating because he's, what he's talking about here is really developing like the 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 most meta skill there is the idea of like accelerating human potential by teaching people to learn right so his answer to that question was this idea of creating an agent that helps a student like like a one-on-one tutor would so he talked he means like an artificial intelligent agent there is nothing that matches a great one-on-one tutor teaching some teaching somebody that is the gold standard that all other methodologies are compared to um it's interesting i when i when i heard that i thought about having a child you realize like why do, do so many people go um, and spend money on like private schooling? And usually one of the big sales point not only is that they're usually nicer and like uh, like just better facilities in general. Unfortunately, in, in the United States, we have a big problem with this. But the, a big selling point is there's like a spectrum, right? So um, Bill Gates is saying one on one is the best. Public schools you have like these huge class numbers and one teacher. Let's say one to twenty five, one to thirty, and then private schools you normally see something like one to twelve, one to ten, one to fifteen. So I, 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 I never thought about that in, in um, like those terms, like, oh, we're just moving the spectrum down to the best education for your child would be one-on-one, but that'd be mostly too cost, cost, cost prohibitive for most people. Um, okay, says so if there was a micro, he was asked the question, if there was a Microsoft AI, what would the business model be? So then he, he, he describes what a Microsoft AI would build, and he goes back to this whole personal agent idea. So he says a personal agent that sees all of your information would replace all of your application applications it is your portal to the world it replaces social networking search productivity apps going to amazon and picking out things and shopping etc so it has the opportunity to combine all those different elements advertising element a markup element etc but when he talked about business models like it would probably be done on a subscription basis for a lot of people so you don't have to wonder about what the trade-offs are and now this is something that I hope Bill is wrong about. He said the number of students who can learn without a social setting around it, meaning the education, is very, very small. 
a minute or two later, he expounds on that. He says, learning is a weird social phenomenon. And this is the last note, and I'll close on this. Who is someone that has been instrumental to your success? And then he starts answering the question in an interesting way. He says, having people who have a little bit of distance, meaning from yourself, is good. For the last 30 years, I've gotten to be friends with Warren Buffett. He is not in this tech world at all. Because he is not in this world, he has a definitive way of looking at things, including uh, this idea. So there's two, idea, two things that he really likes. He says, including this idea that work should be fun. So I don't think Bill would ever describe you know, the, his strenuous 20s as fun. Um, he has made, meaning Warren, has made his work so much fun. And then he talks about also, um, as, a, as a friend does, he's there for him in his most trying times. Um, and he was able to, to give him like a broader view of what was going on in his life. So he's saying, listen, he was also uh, a great counsel during the toughest time I went through, which was the antitrust lawsuit. That was a huge gift.